Hello, I'm David Brown, Senior Vice President and Dean at the School of Health Professions at the University of Texas Medical Branch here in Galveston. I'm happy that you all can join us today. Uh, as you may recall, this is uh, another in one of our uh, podcast series where we uh, talk about our RISES initiatives, R-I-S-E-S, which is related to our five strategic initiatives uh, for the School of Health Professions. In, in, in the last uh, podcast, we talked about the research initiative. And today we're going to talk about impact and influence. And specifically, we're going to talk about global health and community engagement. And it's my distinct pleasure to have with me today, Dr. Lori Ferroni. Uh, Dr. Ferroni, as of February 2nd of this year, is our Assistant Dean for Global Outreach and Community Engagement. In her role, she's accountable, yes, you're accountable, for designing and implementing systems and processes that support our health profession school in the equitable and inclusive expansion of global professional networks and community partners, partnerships. Uh, Dr. Ferroni, for the past uh, six months or nine months in her position, has, uh, is leading in fostering lasting collaborations that advance opportunities for faculty, staff, and students to improve the health of the people of Texas and around the world. Uh, it's also important for you all to know that Dr. Ferroni is an associate professor of instruction in the Department of Physical Therapy in the School of Health Professions, and she received her doctorate and master's in physical therapy at UTMB. Uh, Dr. Ferroni, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Oh, great. I'd like to have a discussion with you about each of these two missions, one being the global outreach and the community engagement. And I'd like to keep them uh, a little separate because this is a rather larger, uh, this is an expansive portfolio that you have. And I know you and I have talked about how it's, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. And and so let's start out with community engagement. Let's start out with here at home in Galveston in the South Texas area. Can you uh, tell us about some of your community engagement activities and especially point out how uh, the School of Health Professions is having an impact on the community around us? Sure, I'd love to. Um, yeah, so our partnerships, some of our key partnerships right now are those that are that are sort of embedded in some of the president's initiatives for community engagement under Dr. Miles Farr, our associate provost. Um, and we, as a school, have had varying roles and levels of involvement across those projects. But um, just to touch on a couple of different ones where we have a really strong presence, of course, at the St. Vincent's Partnership Clinic here on the island, um, where all of our professions are engaged at varying levels at providing sort of traditional clinical services in um, regular outpatient type clinical provision. And there's also an interprofessional clinic where the students um, are with faculty across professions and serving patients in a model where they can really be seen across their needs as far as a variety of professions. Uh, thank you. I'm so glad that you mentioned our student involvement and also the interprofessional 
nature of, of the St. Vincent's Clinic. Can you say a little bit more about what we hope that our students get out of these mm-hmm. community engagement activities? Yes. Well, I think, you know, we start out with what are the needs of the, the community partners? And so that is an, across partnerships, that's what drives our partnership. Is, is what is the need in the community and for the patients, community members we serve. And then from the educational lens, how can we leverage the sort of interest and enthusiasm that the students have? So what we find is um, the students really, really, it's, an, it's a beautiful clinical opportunity for them at St. Vincent specifically to work on um, improving their evaluation skills, their patient rapport building skills, and to have an awareness of what it's like to deliver pro bono services. Uh, so it's a, different, it's a different model. It's sort of a classic clinical setup, um, but it's, it's meeting a population need here on the island for people that are underinsured or not insured at all. Um, so what we hope is that they have sort of an opportunity to... Um, to work on their clinical skills with faculty in the vicinity, but not to the level of scrutiny and sort of stress that perhaps a traditional clinical, um, like site coordinator or clinical instructor model sets up. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a really wonderful place for them to develop um, clinical skills, but also those peer to peer relationships and connections to their faculty, where they actually see that we're not just instructors, that we do have clinical skills, mm-hmm. and sort of build this really neat relationship um, that's totally patient-centric. Thank you. Because you And you also mentioned the interprofessional nature of it. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about the different professional uh, groups that are working, and, and what is the difference between interprofessional versus multi-specialty practice? How would you characterize interprofessional practice, specifically in this setting? Right. So I'll kind of give you an example of the way that one of our mobile clinics at Central Church, it's it's a mobile clinic of St. Vincent's, but it has a really robust interprofessional model. And so what occurs there is the students actually go in in teams. So there'll be a medical student, a nursing student, uh, an SHP student where we have PT, CLS, and sometimes OT, they actually go in and do the patient interview as a group and do discussions amongst themselves as professionals about whose expertise is needed, what's the most salient um, issue for that patient in the moment. And so they're really working highly collaboratively, whereas more of an inter- a multidisciplinary type setup is when you might have all the professions in the clinic, but the patient is kind of going from profession to profession, and there might be a huddle or a conversation about the patient, but the care is not provided sort of as a, as a team. Oh, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had sort of interrupted you as you were describing other programs. You mentioned two now. Uh, are there any others that you want to talk about, other community engagement projects that our students and our faculty are involved with? Yeah, so another um, really robust partnership that we have um, that's really sort of flourished, I would say, over the last 12 months is with a local nonprofit called the Christina Sullivan Foundation, where our students, uh, our work um, to support an adaptive sport program. 
and they do it across every semester, um, and it aligns with whatever sport is um, next for Special Olympics. And our students, medical students, nursing students, work with athletes to prepare them for that competition. So that specific foundation has really... Um, really integrated all the professions in different ways very nicely. And we, we're constantly looking for different ways to integrate more faculty and students in that work as well. Can you say a little more for our audience what adapted uh, physical uh, activity is or adaptive sports is? Because uh, they, they may not be familiar with, with that term or, or what that is, and especially how the f- foundation Yes. So the the foundation supports bringing in teens, older children, teens and adults that have physical, cognitive or behavioral differences and creating um, access to sport. So the role of the student and the faculty is to really work with the athlete, the athlete's caregiver and the foundation to best support their participation and to really create this full model of inclusivity. So what we're trying to do is build sort of friendship partnership between our students and the athletes. And then um, we may make some actual physical adaptations for the athletes. For example, if they can't handle a, a regular tennis racket, we can make some modifications to that. If they have different sensory behavior needs, we might modify the environment or create some type of behavioral protocol. So whatever the athlete needs to participate to their maximum extent that they desire that's the role of the student and the faculty and it's really and also it's just a lot of fun the students love engaging with this population outside of a clinical setting and I really feel like that is an incredible learning opportunity for them to connect with people in a more natural environment it and then they take that perspective back into the clinic where they've had the opportunity to build a relationship to gain awareness about different communication styles and needs. Um, And I think it will just serve them more in the future when they work with that population, perhaps in a more clinical setting. Very good. Uh, And when I I hear you talk about it, I think about how that would be a very unique educational experience for our particular students that uh, may not be available in other programs around South Texas or around Texas or even nationally. It, it, sounds, it sounds like a very unique opportunity. I, I agree. I'm, we get feedback, and it's certainly anecdotal at this point, but students coming to campus for open house and at interviews are sort of, they just kind of light up when they hear about these opportunities, especially the adaptive sport, because there aren't a lot of other programs offering anything that isn't more just sort of volunteer-based, activity-based. This is a real um, robust partnership where the students that engage in these activities are often doing it across the entire duration of a semester. Yes. Thank you. I wonder, would you mind sharing with me and everybody uh, what personally motivates you to be so engaged with the community in, in this way? Is, is there something behind, is there something about Lori Ferroni that makes her personally fit and, and dedicated to this? You know, I thank you. This feels like I like this. This is sort of a self-serving question. Um, I worked as a clinician in birth to three in Galveston County for many years before I moved into an academic role. And I always worked in natural environments. I did some clinical, formal clinical work also. But I love 
relationships between providers, caregivers, and patient. And I think for me, what's beautiful for me to watch is resources that I've known have been lacking for decades in this county specifically for children and adults with disabilities to watch them grow and develop and then to really see students identify their role as an advocate. So I'm very passionate about, you know, you come out with this degree and you can, you're so employable in X, Y, or Z place, but really to have, um, I feel like it's our professional responsibility to remain engaged with our communities and be sort of these fierce advocates and partners um, with the populations that we serve. And I also hear, um, as you're talking, an issue of accessibility, that there are people who may not uh, be as easily uh, able to access health care or with a particular disability or condition be able to engage in community activities and that this may be a way that we have an impact on, on people having accessibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, just the volume, and, it, and it's, it always blows my mind, um, the energy and the commitment that our students are willing to make, and they're just approaching in earnest this opportunity to learn about an individual, to learn about a, a population, um, and they are so creative and innovative. So, so many of the attributes of this programming has really been brought about by their ideas and their anecdotal conversations, informal connections with the people that they're meeting. And I think it it really does create an opportunity. We come to this, I think, if we've been in sort of a seasoned clinician with an idea of what's needed. Um, but students don't have that bias. So I feel like they are so open to innovation and opportunity, and then they bring it to the faculty and to our community partners. And I feel like it adds this whole other layer of really diving in and making sure that we are specifically addressing a need or a desire of the people that we want to serve. Very nice. Before we move on from community engagement, is there anything else you want to tell us or help us to understand about uh, what we're doing in community engagement? Yeah, so I'd like to touch a little bit on our central church partnership and just uh, as sort of a model of where I feel like the partnership is, again, very much led by the partner. So they they are coming to us with their specific needs and um, for what, their what population. Yeah, so, they, yeah. so central, actually, um, they have a lot of programming as part of their... Um, the church itself to support the um, unhoused and housing insecure of Galveston. And that's a very unique population to serve. And so having they, there's an incompatibility sometimes with that population with accessing even services like at St. Vincent's where it's a more traditional clinical model. So we actually have this walk-in clinic, this interprofessional walk-in clinic, um, and we're constantly getting feedback by the co-pastors of that church um, the community members and the partners there, and and meeting regularly about and, and making sure that we are um, entering their space in a way that's supportive of their overall um, um, primary objective and that we aren't creating sort of a clinic inside of, of their environment. We really go in um, as guests inside their community and treat the patients and the partners they're in their environment, and it really establishes trust in a way that I've never seen clinically. Um, so that's amazing, and our students um, really have 
it's I think they come in um, if they haven't worked in that population or setting type, you know, previously. Um, they're surprised by um, what they gain from those relationships um, and the opportunities that we have, especially as rehab providers, to um, to have an impact on mobility and environmental access by you know intervening with adaptive equipment, looking at feet, foot issues, and things that are sort of unique to that population. So I think it it it's a partnership that we really. Um, have a lot of reciprocity of benefit and input. And I think in that way, it's really lovely. And it really intrigues me. I, I love that flipped model of care where instead of asking people to come on to an institution, an institutional setting like a, a hospital or a, or a formal clinic and forcing them to adapt their situation to our institution, we go out and, and we adapt to, to their environment and, and help them thrive and, and live and, and improve uh, it w- within, their, um, within their context. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I know you're a physical therapist, but it sounds like very much occupational therapy type mm-hmm. stuff. So, and OT is very involved in this, isn't yes. it? Yes, and, and CLS is active in that yeah. clinic, Clinical too. Clinical lab science, mm-hmm. yeah. Yes. Um, and I know our dietitian faculty and students are very involved in a garden project mm-hmm. at St. Vincent's. Am I co- mm-hmm. correct about that? Yes. Yes. And um, they have a, the garden, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's pretty magical. It's one of the, it's one of the, the most robust gardens on the island, and I frequent a lot of them. So, yeah, the feedback on that project is incredible. And, you know, there's nutrition interns with our farmer's market, our local farmer's market, providing different types of education about nutrition and utilizing the sort of fresh local resources that we have here on the island. Um, And all of these things sort of interplaying together is just a really neat, really neat combination. Okay. Wow. It it sounds like uh, through your position and by working with the departments and and the other schools, we really are having an impact on, on the community through this community engagement. So thank you very much for doing that. Can we now turn, I want to now turn to global outreach. Uh, It seems at first like the two don't belong together. So first, can you explain to me why global outreach and community engagement uh, are are actually two sides of a a similar coin? Yes, well... um Really, the the philosophy engagement of engagement that UTMB has as an institution is really sort of steeped in the standards of global health engagement. So local global is really the the local oh, engagement we're cool. doing. Okay. Um, and I think some of the sort of core competencies that are framed out by the consortium of universities in global health are really manifest across all of these initiatives. So the idea, especially if I if I have to pick one leg of the stool from an educational lens is really looking at, do we have ethical, equitable partnerships? And we should be able to say, yes, we do, or, or that we're working on it and we're constantly revisiting it because it's a process, both local, locally and globally. And are the partners that we choose to collaborate with, are we, how are we, how are we tracking outcomes? How do we know that we're meeting needs? How do we know, um, and, and are we 
you know, making sure that we're pouring in the right resources and offering the right opportunities and not imposing sort of our expertise and ideas about what people do and do not need. So okay. philosophically, they're, they're similar. Yes, I see that. that. By the way, good answer. I thought I was going to make life a little difficult for you to, to try to bring those two things together, but you did it beautifully. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Now I'll give you an opportunity. Please talk about some of these global outreach because they're really fascinating and they're all over the world. Yeah. Tell us about it. Well, we're just, you know, we're just getting back to this work as far as doing it in person. Obviously, over the past couple of years, things have been, um, we haven't been traveling. Um, But excitedly, UTMB as an institution has a longstanding partnership with Maua Methodist Hospital, and that is in Maua, Kenya. And uh, so we are sending students and faculty this January back to that hospital. And there the students have an opportunity to learn from the local clinicians there and to support some priority project that they may have going on at the time. So that's one example. Um, And it's been visited across professions and we have clinical lab sciences engaged, PT, we have had OT there in the past. Um, medicine goes and nursing will be going. We're all kind of getting back into our schedules. Um, We also have some interesting partnerships in Mexico um, that we have been trying to maintain support and relationship with over time virtually since we weren't able to go in person. So providing some support. um, We have an adjunct faculty um, Dr. Erin Cottas who works there intermittently throughout the year and so she has helped us maintain relationship with that site and do some clinical consultation remotely. Um, And then we will have students being able to resume rotations there working with children and adults with disabilities um, in an area where there's almost no rehabilitation services. Um, So that will be restarting in 2023. Um, Another partnership that we are beginning to to, um, develop is in Punta Gorda, Belize, um, and there's a, an interprofessional clinic there where students actually from all over the United States and affiliating academic institutions go and work alongside um, clinicians, local clinicians, visiting clinicians on critical initiatives for a very rural area. And so they do a lot of um, field-based work, health fair type activities, um, but it's all driven by needs that have been um, determined by the local um, health community. And, and so we're excited to sort of see how that grows over the next year or so as far as different, adding in different professions and offering training. So a lot of times when faculty go, really our role is we don't go and treat patients. Um, we go support local clinicians, and if we have an expertise that benefits their development as a clinician, we will offer a training. Well, that's very good. Um, So I'm I'm curious, I'll ask ask you the same question that I asked about community engagement. What is it about Lori Ferroni that drives her to to want to interact with a a global community and and train others to to provide services. Yes. Yeah, I think for me, it, it, it comes back again just to the um, the excitement I have for me personally about watching disability movements across the globe. And so I'll 
specifically, I think one of my first global health experiences that was related to UTMB was with Dr. Carolyn Yutzi, who's our recently retired chair. Um, and we went to Guatemala. And I had the opportunity then to learn about sort of where the disability movement was in the, the history of, of that country specifically. And I think that's kind of what drew me in, was looking at how, how are different health professions developed um, globally? Where are they as far as their roles, responsibility, their levels of education? How are they viewed by the government? What is their licensure like? Those pieces I find really fascinating. And then how do we, um, as an entity that is very well resourced, how can we support um, needs that are identified by those clinicians or in rural communities that have that could really benefit from from expertise and knowledge that we have. Because yeah. it seems like an almost impossible task to address the problems of the entire world. So so how do you think of it when you go into these particular communities, these particular settings? What what is your hope? Do you, do you hope for global expansion or or do you hope that each of these um, are representative of different models, ways of care? How, how do you how do you deal with with the fact that it's it's really a very focused approach to a very focused community? Did I ask that question right? Well, let me let me see if I understood your question. Yes. So it's sort of the overwhelm with there being so many things that could be addressed yes. globally. Right. The world is a mess. It's a mess. In healthcare. Right. But I very <laughs> much of the philosophy that it's much it's much more impactful to to have deep, long standing, very sustainable relationships with reciprocity and a constant ethical, equitable check in about the work we're doing. So I don't think it's easy to get excited. And, and, you know, when you go to conference and you meet people working all over the world and it's very easy to, to say, oh, I want to go there and we could send people here and mm-hmm. we could do and all that may be true, but you can't you can't do everything yes. and you or you can't do it in a meaningful way. Yeah. So my my interest and and I feel like I have I'm aligned with the other my my colleagues that have similar roles at the institution is that really we want to. Um, make our existing partnerships more robust and and really know that we are meeting needs and that we're l- looking at the waterfront as far as reciprocity of relationship. And so I think that kind of tamps that over-enthusiasm <laughs> to go everywhere. <laughs> yes. So, so it sounds like show success and show the rest of the world these successes and hopefully other institutions, other groups will follow similar models or, or continue these models in, in different places. That, that, that's an inter- in my mind, that's an interesting way to reproduce mm-hmm. the model without actually doing it yourself. Right. Yes. It's just to share our experiences and to really, you know, look at our outcomes and ask the hard questions of, are we really doing what we say we're doing? You know, it, it all feels good in the moment. That's, that's sort of the... Um, the tricky part of this type of work is I think a lot of times healthcare providers, we all want to help. We want to fix, we want to go in and, um, you know, we see a problem, we want to address it, but you know, it's, it's always sort of mitigating that kind of ego led uh, initial need or want. And, and really asking yourself, are you really needed here? 
Maybe you're not, and that's okay. Maybe you're in the way. Maybe you're in the way, or you're creating a problem or a dependence, or there's so it's it can be rather fraught. And so I think that's why I really love working. Um, I'm really excited that we are developing these partnerships as our um, School of Population and Public Health develops their new global health department, um, and that we're really aligning with across the institution and um, asking the same questions and and looking at each other and asking those questions and not making assumptions about the quality of our work, but really trying to find ways where we can be really honest about our outcomes. I'm wondering if you feel comfortable sharing one anecdote or story of, uh, of some success, global health, with a particular patient, a particular client, particular individual, um, or a particular program that, that was established, some story that, that, that brings it to reality f- for our listeners? I think um, the models that, I, that really get me excited are when we maybe create a curriculum for a specific type of, so for example, we've done trainings on for working with children with autism. And we might create some modules. And we try to create them in a way where they can be translated. For example, we've done this at several sites in Haiti or in Guatemala, in Mexico. And then perhaps over time, the staff there, they're able to utilize that resource and then train additional workers. Uh, so again, yes. then and then when you get feedback that they held a training or that they um, got feedback from their um local workers that techniques worked that's to me that a beautiful thing and and sort of invigorates that okay this was a useful salient component that it was their idea that we initiated a training um and now it's being utilized and so that's the the hope over time beautiful thank you um, I want to just remind our audience that uh, the initiative, the RISES initiative associated with uh, global outreach and community engagement is our impact and influence initiative. And uh, I, I hope all of you have heard in, in our discussion with Dr. Ferroni how we are having an impact on the local community, local global, I think is what the term you used, right? And I want to invite our audience to give us feedback about what they've heard. Ask us questions. I'm sure there's a mechanism uh, for, for you to interact with, with the podcast in some way. I'm sure Dr. Ferroni would love to hear any, any ideas or any um, questions anyone has. We're also always open to people who want to provide us with donations or with uh, funds that could help us with these initiatives. When we send our students out globally and even locally, uh, it, it, it costs money. It, it takes resources to do that. And so we're always looking for people who are interested in supporting um, financially some of, some of these initiatives. So please consider uh, if, if you think you're in a position to be able to do that. Uh, Dr. Froni, I'll give you the last word. Is there anything else you want to tell everybody about your job and how impossible it is? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just figuring it out, I think. Um, Very no, good. I feel and you're really... doing a wonderful job, by the way. <laughs> I want you. you to know that. And, and we couldn't have chosen a more perfect person to be leading this. So uh, thank I you. Really, yeah, I mean, it's really a privilege. We have an incredible faculty. Mm. Um, 
that do and students beautiful work. Yes, mm-hmm. and the students, honestly, they just they just shock me with yes. what they come to the table with and shock I, and awe. Yeah, and it's right. it's really inspi- it's really inspiring. And you know, the days where I'm like, oh, I'm tired. I don't want to go back into clinic today. <laughs> I show up, and it's always just an incredible experience. Oh, but yeah. and our partners, our local partners, um, really, we're just really really fortunate to have people that really want to come to the table and collaborate with UTMB and SHP specifically. So very good. It's exciting. Thank you so much. And we look forward to producing some more podcasts in the future as we talk more about our RISES initiative. So thank you everybody for listening. Thank you, Dr. Ferroni for discussing with me and, and sharing your, your ideas and your thoughts. Thank you so much. Thank you.